Hello, I hope everybody's well and uh, keeping safe. I'm just going to play a short piece of worship just to allow people to join us. Okay. I hope you can hear that. If you want to comment to let me know that you're here, that would be great. Hi Ryan, can you hear the worship? giving people time to join. Welcome everybody. Welcome everybody, I'm just giving a few moments for people to join us. Just a little bit nervous, guys. That's the first time I've done this. <laughs> yeah, Charles, I tried that as well. It didn't work. time for people to join us and uh, then we'll get going in a couple of minutes. 
So some are saying I'm uh, <laughs> the wrong way around. Okay, so I'm going to leave it like this because at least I can see the comments this way around. So if you're trying this on Facebook on your PC, you might be struggling. Um, on the phone, that seems to be fine. Okay. So welcome everybody and uh, congratulations on finding us on Facebook Live. Um, I hope you're well and you're keeping safe. If you're at home, well done. If you're having to work, then we're praying for you and we're trusting with you that everything will be fine, that you won't catch the virus yourself uh, and that the work that you're doing will be a real blessing to others. So this morning I'm, uh, I'm in Ruth uh, in the Old Testament uh, and I'm just going to pray for, for us to hear from God. Lord, I thank you uh, for the family BCC. I thank you for all they mean to us as the clerks. I thank you uh, for just a beautiful uh, community. And I pray that uh, this message this morning would be a blessing, that you would speak to hearts and minds, that you would speak to us as a family, you'd speak to others that uh, may be listening in. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so this is the book of Ruth, and it's the story of a family in the time of trouble. And uh, it's my go-to story in times of trouble. I've shared this, uh, this story in the UK during Brexit. I've shared it in uh, South Africa in times of recession. Uh, I've shared it in Lesotho in the middle of a coup. Uh, and now we have a worldwide pandemic. So uh, I think Ruth is the book to be in. So Ruth is the Bible in one book or the gospel in four chapters. And uh, it's... Uh, based on a family, uh, an Israelite family in the days of the judges. So that's after the Exodus, after Moses, uh, but before God uh, anointed Saul as king, before the kings of Israel. And uh, during the, the time that uh, the roof is based, it was a time of great famine. There was economic uncertainty and hardship. Uh, people were busy doing their own thing. The government was corrupt. Sound familiar? Uh, if you delete famine and insert pandemic, you could be here in South Africa today. And uh, the story revolves around Ruth's Redeemer. Now, a Redeemer is someone who pays a price to set you free. Uh, and so this is God on a rescue mission. Back then, before Jesus, in sending Jesus, and now for you and I, his mission remains the same. He's on a rescue mission. Uh, and this is a story of a family, the faithlessness of the, the man of the house, the returning faith of his widow, the growing faith of her daughter-in-law, and the life-changing faith 
of her future husband. So someone who is faithless is uh, someone who lives maybe without the knowledge of God, whereas someone who is unfaithful perhaps knows God, but lives as if they don't. So I'm going to look at this story in three parts. Getting lost, coming home, and redeemed by love. So let's start with getting lost. So Emelech was from Bethlehem in Israel, but it could have been Bethlehem in the Free State. He and his wife Naomi, with their two sons, Malion and Chilion, moved to the country of Moheb, or Australia, uh, which was many days' travel, and they stayed there. They were running away from the famine. Today, they would have been running away from the virus. Maybe Emelech had no faith in the promises of God. Uh, maybe he was afraid for his family. Maybe he thought he was doing the best thing. Some while later, he died, and Naomi was left to care for her sons. And uh, Malion and Chilion later married Moabite women, Orpah and Ruth. And they lived in Moab for about ten years. And then, tragedy upon tragedy, Malion and Chilion died, leaving Naomi without a husband or sons. This made her and her daughters-in-law destitute. They had nothing, nothing to sell and no way to earn money. In Moab, they encountered the very thing they were running away from, death. So ten years into our marriage, Cheryl and I, we'd been busy doing our own thing, we'd lost connection with each other, and then Cheryl started following Jesus. Uh, and this is this story. So Naomi decided to return to Bethlehem as she had heard that the Lord had lifted the famine. Maybe the lockdown had ended. <laughs> I'm praying for that one. This was a breakthrough moment. Notice that God lifted the famine. He does this. Do you believe that? Do you believe? Do you have faith that he's a God of miracles? He can deal with this virus. But I want you to notice that, that this is the first time that God is mentioned in the story. We didn't see Imelech leading his family well or seeking God. There's no prayer up to this point. His reaction to the famine was to run away to another country and away from the people of God. So how are we doing in this family? I mean, we've, in effect, we've been told to run away from the virus. But how are, you how are you leading your family? How are you leading the people that you're responsible for in this season? So Opa and Ruth started on the journey to Bethlehem with Naomi. Uh, but she encouraged them to return home to their own people where they might marry again. Naomi was worried about how the girls would be received by her own people, saying she could not produce any more sons for them to marry. Opa agreed to return home, while Ruth committed to go with her mother-in-law to Israel. And so my part two is coming home. And I want to read uh, from Ruth. I'm going to read Ruth chapter 1 and verse 16. But Ruth said, Do not urge me to leave you or to return from following you. For where you go, I will go. And where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people and your God, my God. This is the moment. Uh, and I pray we all have a moment 
when Ruth came to God. We, we would now say in this day and age that she became born again. Naomi had clearly shared her faith with Ruth over the weeks, the months and years before, and Ruth now has a faith of her own. This was a breakthrough moment. For me, my moment was back in 1997. What about you? Are you just relying on your family's faith? Or do you have a faith of your own? A genuine faith in our Lord Jesus. So back to the story. When they arrived in Bethlehem, Naomi was recognised. And the whole place was full of people talking, talking, gossiping about her. She refused to be called Naomi. She said, call me bitter. Ouch. This previously respected woman with lands, a husband and family was now on her knees. Some received her back, some judged her, and some enjoyed the fact she'd fallen on hard times. By this time, she was very depressed and had no faith of her own. She now had to rely on Ruth's faith. And us, we, are we like Ruth? Are we uh, strong? Are we carrying people's burdens? Are we looking out for others? Or are we like Naomi, where we're uh, without faith or hope? Maybe, maybe bitterness has caught up with us. <clears throat> this story, this story is about God. It's about him breaking into a family situation where they hadn't really been looking for him. The, the husband had no faith. Naomi had lost uh, any hope that she had. However, she had a relative, Boaz, who was a wealthy farmer and respected elder. Ruth had started gleaning in a field belonging to Boaz. Now, at this time, under the Old Testament law, um, landowners were required to leave some of the harvest for the poor who would come along and collect or glean what was left. So when Naomi, Naomi realised that Ruth had gone to Boaz's field, uh, she said, well, you must stay there. You must stay with, uh, with Boaz's people. Um, she hoped that she would be shown favour and that she would be less at risk of abuse. Because she was a foreigner and uh, she was female and she was weak and she was alone, there was a very real risk of abuse from those around her, even rape. And uh, later on in the story, where uh, Boaz has seen Ruth, has uh, watched from a distance, has asked about her. He admires her hard work and uh, eventually he invites her to join the workers for a drink and to have lunch uh, together <clears throat> and he tells his workers in front of her he tells them not to harm her and he tells her only to work in his fields and to stay close to the women who were also working the fields so Baez is clearly a godly man his concern is to protect someone who's weak who has sacrificed much and has been faithful to her mother-in-law and this is a real testimony to Ruth. Ruth was not expecting this welcome. You see, the Israelites had a bit of a reputation with their neighbours. It happens when you kill off neighbouring tribes and nations. They had a reputation of being difficult and uninviting. A bit like the English, maybe? So, 
And questions then for, for us. Are we welcoming to foreigners? Are our young men and women caring of each other and those at risk? Do we as a community take responsibility for the vulnerable? At the end of this first day, Ruth had gathered much. She had eaten until satisfied, which hadn't happened for a very long time. And she had brought home food for Naomi. Again, this is a breakthrough moment. As Naomi and Ruth speak about the day and about Boaz, they called him their redeemer. Under the law, families were required to look out for their own. And although Boaz wasn't a direct relative, it was his duty to look out, look out for Naomi and Ruth. Uh, but we can also see Boaz in this story as a foretaste of Christ. He's called a redeemer and he rescues this family uh, and Christ has done that for each one of us. So they first agreed, uh, this is Naomi and Ruth, that it would be safer for Ruth to work in his fields and so she kept close to the young women working in the fields until the harvest was over. Again, back to Cheryl and I, it only took one of us to start following Jesus and things started to turn around. Life changed. Uh, the family came into a living knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. We were redeemed by love. And that's the, the next part of my preach, redeemed by love. Something special happens here in this story. Naomi, <laughs> the scary mother-in-law figure in the story, hatches a plan to see Ruth redeemed by Boaz, i.e. married to him. And this was the way that widows were looked after in that, in that time. The, the brothers or relatives of the, the dead guy would marry the widow so that she could live a secure life. And so this is the plan in Naomi's mind. And um, although it's her idea, her idea. In the story, we see Ruth's reaction that she's keen, but a little nervous, as anyone would be. So Ruth goes to Boaz and uh, asks to take refuge under his wings. And that's Ruth 3 and verse 9. What a picture for marriage. Isn't this what we want for our sons and daughters? Yet as parents, many of us leave it to chance. I'm not recommending interfering or arranging marriages in this day. They have to live it together, not us. But praying for them from young, for their future lives, demonstrating our love for each other, teaching about love, teaching about sex, risks, abuse, laying down boundaries, asking questions to protect and encourage, and seeking good rather than harmful relationships. These are all roles for us as parents. As a family, we followed Jesus to a foreign land and he gave us Carlin and he found a husband and a wife for our older children. You may indeed call us blessed, but it didn't just happen. We were involved. We were praying. When we lived in Lesotho, in Maseru, one of the young ladies in the church 
came to live with us for a season. Uh, she was uh, an orphan uh, and had no family of her own in the area. And uh, she lived with us for a, a couple of years uh, as a daughter. And uh, in the, the area we lived in, in Maseru, there was this thing. Um, I don't want to call it the culture. It was just a thing. The young men in the neighborhood, if they were interested in a girl, and uh, this, this girl was 18 at the time she was living with us, <clears throat> in the evening they would come outside the house after dark and they would whistle, just whistle. And uh, and the girl's supposed to go out. She doesn't know who's whistling. I mean, maybe it's prearranged, but, you know, still. Somebody's whistling in the dark and this girl's supposed to go out and meet them. And uh, a friend in the church had told me about this. Uh, and so the first time it happened... <laughs> I beat her to the front door and I said to her, listen, if this guy is serious and if he's worthy of you, he will come to the house and he will come and he will greet uh, and he will be uh, with us. And if he's not, he won't. So ignore the whistle. And and so she did and, and life went on. And now... She's happily married with kids of her own. So Naomi tells Ruth to make herself beautiful and to go and show Boaz that she's interested. Boaz was older than Ruth, so many may not have expected that she would be attracted to him. Uh, and Boaz himself probably wasn't even thinking uh, that that was an option. But it's clear from the story that they both respected and had feelings for each other, and they are both careful not to harm one another, which is a sign of true love. How many of us can say that? So my challenge in this story, in how you respond in life in general, uh, but particularly in this time of crisis, how we respond as a church, we do no harm. How we respond... Uh, as young people falling in love, we do no harm. This is the doctor's pledge. And also for the guys, for the, uh, the leaders, for uh, fathers, uh, for young men, we stand in harm's way, which is the US military pledge, that we stand in harm's way, that we don't stand aside when we see trouble uh, but we step in and we engage uh, and we protect those weaker than us. So both Naomi and Boaz, they know how these things are done in their culture. Uh, they protect reputations and they honour the elders. And, uh, and there's a way of getting things done that they understand. And so they are able to help Ruth and advise Ruth as she navigates through this. For us, how much better to share our hearts with our parents and hear their wisdom. How much better as parents that we listen to our children and hear their hearts. So Boaz, he goes to the elders at the city gate and he arranges everything so that they can get married. And as normal, 
This involves removing some obstacles. And again, this is a breakthrough moment. This is a life-changing moment. This is God at work, right in the midst of our everyday lives. And Boaz and Ruth are married. And then we see in chapter 4 and verse 13, they have sex. And they have a boy child. And for any young people watching, please notice the order. Marriage, then sex, then a baby. So Naomi says, now you can call me blessed. She's, she's now a granny. She's um, in a household where food is available, where um, they live as one. And, and she's blessed and she's moved from that place where she would call herself bitter. And now she's blessed. And amazingly, in Matthew chapter 1, we find that this child, Obed, and his foreign mother, Ruth, are in the line of both King David and Jesus. And this shows us that God uses the least of us to do the greatest things for him. And that, that was the blessing. So Jesus is our Redeemer, yours and mine. Have you asked to take shelter under his wings? This story is an amazing reflection of the heart of God. And, and there's a number of, of things that we can see in the story um, that help us navigate life. So there's a, I just want to go through these things. So one, one biggie for me, uh, having been an atheist uh, in my history, is that going your own way rather than God's way is just plain dangerous. It's life and death. There's nothing um, other than that. It's life and death. And if you're in relationship with people who don't believe in our Lord Jesus and haven't been born again, then, then we have a call. Uh, it's a life and death call to help them to come into relationship with, with the Lord. And the other thing this story teaches us is that God makes a plan to save us. Boromaka uh, plan. You know, God is often pictured as a farmer. He makes a plan to save us. However bad a situation we face as a nation or as a family or as individuals, however far we run, he has a plan for us. And if we can open our eyes and our ears, uh, we, we can see the plan. We can follow the plan. And this plan is to provide us with a redeemer. And this redeemer brings us new life. He rescues us. He pays the price and he brings us into eternity. But this story also says that we can, we can respond out of faith or we can respond in, faith, in ways that are faithless or unfaithful. And so we pray. We pray for faith. Faith is a gift. But faith as action, faith as something that we, we pick up and we carry. We pray for faith in this time in our nation and across the world that people uh, might come to a saving knowledge of Jesus, that people might be healed, uh, that people might be saved from disaster. Uh, and we pray this all in the name of Jesus. And I want to briefly jump into the New Testament 
Uh, I'm going to 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 1 and uh, starting at verse 8. And this is Paul uh, writing from prison. We do not want, and in a way I'm in prison here. <laughs> I'm not supposed to go out. I snuck out with a rubbish laugh yesterday. Uh, went through the gate uh, outside uh, and met some neighbours doing the same. But then we all politely went back in and locked our doors. So here it is, verse 8. We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about the troubles we experienced in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt we had received the sentence of death. But this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God. I'll say that again. But this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God. Um, I am a bit of a farmer, a Boromarka plan type of guy. Uh, and I have to learn and learn again that God is the answer and that God is providing a way through circumstance. God is in the storm. He's in the boat. He calms the storm. So let's read this again. But this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. He raises the dead. Verse 10. He has delivered us from such a deadly peril. Delivered us from such a deadly peril. And he will deliver us again. He will deliver us again. On him we have set our hope that he will continue to deliver us. And verse 11. As you help us by your prayers, then many will give thanks on our behalf for the gracious favour granted us in answer to the prayers of many. So three takeaways from this short passage in the New Testament, this uh, letter written by Paul. Three takeaways for us, for now, for this season. Firstly, as Christians, we're not immune from suffering. We, we, uh, we suffer with the Lord Jesus. We suffer in the way that Paul suffered. We, we're not immune. The second lesson, he is our hope. Jesus is our hope. On him, we have set our hope that he will continue to deliver us. And prayer works. Just listen to verse 11 again. As you help us by your prayers, then many will give thanks on our behalf for the gracious favour granted us in answer to the prayers of many. If this uh, virus has done one thing, it's called the church and the nations and families uh, and unbelievers even, it's called us to pray. And, and so we pray. We pray that God would deliver us again. We pray for continual deliverance against this virus and against the, um, the breakdown in economic structures that, that is going with it. We pray that God will continue to deliver us. So I want to just finish with a question for you and for me. 
who are we in this story? Are we opera? We, uh, we go back to what we knew. We go back to who we were. Or are we Ruth? We set our face like flint. We, we continue on our journey. Uh, we serve those that we're responsible for. We fall in love with the living God. We, we make our life journey with him. Who are you in the story? Um, maybe you're Boaz. Maybe you're called to be a redeemer in this, in this season. How are you coping in this crisis? Uh, maybe you've lost someone special, not necessarily through the disease, but maybe you've lost something special, somebody, lost somebody special. How are you? Maybe you're parenting children or teenagers through this season and you're seeking to protect them uh, and to teach them, but to keep them in a place of faith rather than panic. Uh, maybe you're a young person who's had all these plans and ideas. You're studying, you've got uh, a vision for your life, and then this thing comes against us, against all of us, and you're thrown, and you're wondering what's, <laughs> what's going to happen. Is there an economy uh, coming out at the end of this that you can be a part of? Or maybe you don't yet know this Redeemer, this Jesus. Maybe you don't follow him. Maybe you're busy with your own plan uh, and he's shaking you up. He's shaking the church. He's shaking the nations. Uh, he didn't cause this thing to happen. But he certainly knows how to use it for our best. And so ask the questions of yourself. What is the Lord shaking in my life? What is he saying to me in this season? And how is he asking me to respond? How am I to continue my journey in the light of what he is saying to me? So thank you for listening. Uh, I trust that the Lord has given you something, a takeaway, a meal uh, from, from this word. And I pray with you that, uh, that you will continue with him this morning. So grab the people you're with, if you're with people, and pray. If not, um, then let's just trust that the Holy Spirit will, uh, will intercede with you. Uh, and be with you uh, and we thank you thank you lord for technology that has worked uh, and we pray for each other in jesus name be well keep well keep safe uh, we'll see you on whatsapp we'll see you in facebook and hopefully on the 17th uh, we can break out of our prisons and continue our lives together amen